Hi, I'm Emma Gaysford and I work in the University of Portsmouth's media team. I'm talking today to Jack Reed and Dr Nick Pament from the Institute of Criminal Justice Studies about their alternative approach to using long-standing forensic methods to help wildlife crime investigators around the world. Can you both tell me a little bit about who you are and your roles at the university, please? My name's Jack Reed. I'm a lecturer in criminology and forensic studies here at the university, at the Institute of Criminal Justice Studies. I'm a former crime scene investigator, so a lot of what I teach, uh, a lot of what I'm involved in, is around crime scene and forensic investigation. My name is Nick Pammon. I am a principal lecturer at the Institute of Criminal Justice Studies, University of Portsmouth, and I teach uh, wildlife crime and environmental justice. And why do you think there's such a problem with wildlife crime? I mean, can you explain what it means? First and foremost, it, it causes animal suffering. I also think wildlife crime is important because it exploits protected species and it destroys biodiversity. The statistics are, are really shocking, depending on, on, on where, you, where you look. But the Wildlife Justice Commission says that every five minutes a pangolin is poached, every 15 minutes an elephant is killed, every 15 hours a rhino is poached. So it really is exploiting our protected species, destroying our, our biodiversity. And we have to remember that wildlife is, is a finite resource. Once it's gone, it really is gone. The illegal wildlife trade has been described as the fifth most lucrative criminal industry after drugs, counterfeiting, humans, oil, then sits uh, wildlife crime. And it's a low risk for high reward crime. You know, many of those individuals that are engaged in drug trafficking are also engaged in wildlife trafficking. Wildlife crime really links to, to other offences, be it fraud or counterfeiting or many other things. And then finally, I think as we are all living in this period, wildlife trafficking really does risk our human health. Those statistics are really shocking. I know you guys have worked really hard on developing techniques to help with these sort of crimes. Jack, can you go through the new fingerprinting technique that you guys have worked on? The beauty of this brand new shiny technique is it's not brand new, it's not shiny. These are techniques that have been around for a really long time. This was about how do we apply older methods and techniques to new problems. So this particular method, which uses a black low-tech gelatine, can be applied to numerous substrates and services. And what we did was had a look at one particular problem, which was pangolins, and used the low-tech adhesive technique to apply that to the surface of a pangolin scale. And lo and behold, wow, it worked. <laughs> so, so you've effectively been able to take poachers' fingerprints off a pangolin scale and bring them to justice. I mean, we are at the very early stages of this research. And I think what's most special or, or most exciting about this research is its potential. You know, as Jack says, this is an old technique applied in a very new area. And we have to remember that forensics is, is so well developed in human crimes, but far less so in, in wildlife crime. So one of the main aims of this initiative is to really 
develop and raise awareness of forensic techniques within a wildlife crime setting. So it's re-looking and adapting these, but importantly, by using the operational context of rangers and practitioners in the field. So what do they need? What do you need? What are your environmental constraints? So it's really important about when we're looking at these processes, yes, we can get a fingerprint from a pangolin scale, but can that be used in the field? And that's what our project looked at, which is um, the socio-technical perspective about using um, rangers' views about what they understand about how poachers go about their business. It really has the potential to create, further down the line, an intelligence database where hopefully law enforcers will be able to identify individuals through a fingerprint database and it creates a more holistic intelligence picture of what is actually going on. How have you had to adapt it for an outside, you know, on the ground setting in somewhere like Africa? I, th- I think one of the really interesting things about this when we've been out to Africa and, and India is that you looking at what uh, the practitioners, what the rangers are using in the field. And so one of the things we did look at is the equipment that the rangers have. So what has everybody got? They've got a mobile phone. So it's about capturing the images using the, the, what they already have. So the packs were developed using really, really low level stuff. So a sandwich bag, an insulated sandwich bag, which holds perhaps a roller, a couple of pens, some tamper evident exhibit bags that the rangers can write on and some gelatine so that they can apply that and to be able to use their mobile phone. So it's about being in the scene, getting in there, taking what they need and perhaps getting out rather quickly because there are other implications in terms of their safety. Being a wildlife ranger in parts of the world is, is one of the most dangerous jobs. Obviously, there are no pangolins in the UK. So where is it being used and by whom? We've been on a bit of a road trip. We've been to Benin. We've been to India. And the technique has gone really uh, down well with with the law enforcement that that are actually on the ground. So in India, the uh, rangers are uh, are deploying this in the field and utilising that to recover finger mark and traces from artefacts that they've recovered from crime scenes and that's ongoing Mm. the the beauty of this technique is the ease of use the flexibility that it offers but also the portability for wild for wildlife rangers in the field that's the beauty of this technique and often these techniques that come from uh, us to other countries, you know, where we've got, we have this idea that we, we are kind of leading lights in terms of forensics. But actually, this is a really, as, as Nick said, a very easy to use applicable technique. But it's also relatively cheap. I mean, the packs that we send, send out are under $30, you know, they're about 27 mm. quid. You know, that's, that's a manageable amount. You know, often forensic techniques... Very, very expensive. This isn't. It was so, so important for us to go to go to these countries and actually learn from the true experts about what was actually happening on the ground. What was applicable in Benin in Africa actually 
wasn't in India. And so it's so important to talk to these. These are, as Nick said, the specialists. What do you need? Does this work? It was an idea that we talked to them. Could the technique be used to help any other species? I think it could be used for, 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 for multiple wildlife crime offences. The, the law enforcers just need the knowledge to be able to apply it to their specific circumstance. There is all sorts that is going on, but very much student-driven. Undergraduate dissertation, master's dissertations and, and PhD uh, level research. Absolutely. I think that's going to drive the next uh, the next stages for us. You know, that whole programme development ar- around this area is going to be going to be critical. I mean, watch this space. There's been such a lot of media coverage of this technique, and I really hope that it has led to a, a greater awareness surrounding the plight of the pangolin, but also wildlife crime more more generally. Jack Reed, Nick Parent, thank you very much for talking to me today. Yeah, thanks, Emma. Thanks so much for listening. You can find out more about wildlife crime at the University of Portsmouth by visiting www.port.ac.uk.